Well, hello and welcome to Faith Live 365. My name is Tim Hardison and this is podcast number six. And we are talking about hindrances to faith. Now, if you missed any of the past podcasts, you can go back and listen and get caught up with us. Uh, in podcast five, we talked about fear being a hindrance to our faith. Now, in this podcast, we'll be talking about how doubt and unbelief hinders our faith. So let's pray and jump back in. Father God, we come now before you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we praise your holy name. We thank you for your many blessings that you have given us. We thank you for your word. We pray that you will open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see in our ears, that we may hear and understand your word. Father, renew our minds. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Grow our faith now as we hear and study your word. Amen and amen. <clears throat> All right. So doubt and unbelief. How does doubt and unbelief hinder our faith? Well, first off, what's the difference between doubt and unbelief? So we're going to start by looking at doubt. And uh, dictionary.com defines doubt as to be uncertain about, consider questionable or unlikely, hesitate to believe, to distrust, be undecided in opinion or belief. The English word doubt is translated from the Greek word distazo. Well, Strong's Greek Concordance defines distazo, and that's D-I-S-T-A-Z-O, as waver or doubt. Now, Helps Word Studies defines the Greek word distazo as going two ways, shifting between positions, choosing a double stance, and hence vacillate or waver. Now, unbelief is defined by dictionary.com as the state or quality of not believing, skepticism, especially in matters of doctrine or religious faith. The English word unbelief is translated from the Greek word apistia, it's A-P-I-S-T-I-A. And Strong's Greek Concordance defines apistia as unbelief, unfaithfulness, or distrust. Now Helps Word Studies defines apistia as without divine evasion, no faithfulness, unfaithfulness. So based on these definitions, there isn't always a clear, hard-line distinction between doubt and unbelief. I mean, there can be. You know, one could just outright declare, I don't believe something. Now, in this case, there's a clear distinction. However, one could show skepticism or hesitate to believe, which could then fit into doubt or unbelief. So we all have to deal with doubt and unbelief, and oftentimes it's our doubt and unbelief that's having a major impact on our faith. So let's start by uh, talking about doubt, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 33, uh, reading from the English Standard Version. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he being Jesus, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against him. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So there's Peter, showing great faith in Jesus. With the high winds blowing, he stepped out of the boat and onto the rough waters. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a boat in high winds and rough waters with large waves, but I have on several occasions. My first time really sticks out in my mind. I mean, I grew up by the water in North Carolina and spent a good bit of time out on the water with my dad and my mom. Now, my dad loved fishing, and he would at times take us down the river and we'd find a sandy piece of shoreline and we'd set, you know, pull up on shore, get out and swim, have a picnic lunch. Well, one such day, a big storm came rolling in on us rather quick. Now, we were in a smaller wooden boat, and the winds churned the water up, causing some large waves, very choppy, uh, rough conditions. I was around eight, maybe nine years old at the time. And I'll assure you, as we were out in the river heading back to the dock, being tossed about in the waves, waters breaking over the bow, winds gusting and whipping around, big storm rolling in, I became very close with Jesus. Now, you might not think an eight- or nine-year-old can pray, but oh, yeah, I set some records that day. Now, I can relate to Brother Peter suddenly becoming aware of his surroundings. Now, my dad thinks, you know, that that was funny to this day. You know, to him, it was nowhere near as bad as my eight- or nine-year-old mind saw it, although he also still thinks it was funny when he took me out into the middle of the Neuse River at a young age and told me it was time to learn how to swim. So, mind you, the Neuse River is probably two to three miles across at this point. I'm not sure. But I was thinking he had done lost his mind, and I was certain he had lost his mind when he grabbed me and tossed me overboard. Now, in case you're wondering... I was not wearing a life vest. Now, I was in a complete panic. I was hollering, flailing, you know, trying to keep my head above water. I knew I, I'm about to drown. I'm in the middle of the river. Now, it's not like I hadn't been in the water. I could keep my head up, but in the middle of the Noose River. <laughs> um, you know, that's the, we just changed the situation here. Had I been close to the shore, I wouldn't have been so afraid. But you see, my dad knew that we were over a big sandbar out in the middle of the river, and the water was only about chest deep to me. So he was laughing, and he waited what seemed like maybe a lifetime to me, probably a couple of seconds. And he told me, uh, son, just put your feet down and stand up. Well, I put my feet down. There was the bottom. Felt kind of silly. Anyway, people wonder what's wrong with me today. <laughs> so enough about me. So anyway... There was Peter showing great faith. He steps out of the boat onto the rough seas, the large waves, the winds whipping all around. Now remember, he had seen Jesus perform untold miracles. He had to have great faith. I mean, if you could have been there and seen Jesus heal the lame and the blind, if you, 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 would have, you could have literally seen their limbs healed right in front of you. Uh, you would have literally seen demons come out of people, hear them speaking to Jesus, Jesus speaking to them. Can you imagine how great your faith would be to have witnessed this firsthand? I mean, you know, how could you not have great faith, right? So Peter, he's out of the boat. He's walking on the water. Again, imagine what Peter must have been thinking here. Holy cow, I'm walking on the water. You guys see this? He's probably laughing, you know. I'm walking on the water. 
You know, he's probably hollowing over to the other disciples. Check it out. Yeah, baby. Okay, he probably didn't use those exact words. But then, in an instant, his physical senses kicked in. And for a brief second, he listened to his flesh. What did his flesh say as well? His flesh is like, you idiot. You can't walk on water. When in your whole lifetime have you ever seen anybody walking on water? The wind's blowing. The waves are big. Look how far from shore you are. You're in deep water. You're going to drown. Oh, and instantly, doubt and fear. Remember, we talked about this earlier under fear. Doubt and fear, boom, set in. His faith wavered, and what happened? He began to sink. His faith was strong until he listened to his flesh. The doubt brought on by his flesh hindered his spiritual faith, and down he went. He cried out to Jesus to save him, and Jesus was right there. He grabbed his hand, lifted him up to the safety of the boat, and what did Jesus say? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know Jesus is thinking, why are you looking at the circumstances? Why are you listening to the flesh, right? I mean, that's where the doubt came from. Oh, you of little faith, I'm right here beside you. And you let doubt come in. If Peter could let doubt creep in while standing right with Jesus, certainly we are susceptible to having our faith hindered by doubt. Why did Peter doubt? Why did his faith suddenly stop working? He turned his eyes from Jesus and he looked at the circumstances. He looked in the flesh, not in the spirit. He reverted to his five senses and the fleshly emotion of doubt and fear in an instant. We can snatch defeat right from the jaws of victory by allowing doubt to creep in. We must walk by faith and not by sight if our faith is going to grow and work. Doubt can be a formidable foe if we allow it to be. Satan is right there to plant seeds of doubt, uncertainty, confusion. He's screaming in your brain, you can't do that. He's right there to scream out, you know, through the five senses. He doesn't need to convince you. He just needs to plant a little bit of doubt, right? But Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome hell. He's overcome death and the grave. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world, right? No weapon formed against me will prosper. Let God's word rise up inside of you and choke out Satan and doubt. Remember, faith is the substance, the confidence, the assurance it's the foundation which has actual existence of things hoped for. The evidence, the conviction, the proof, assurance by which invisible things are proved and we are convinced of their reality as completely real as if we could see, hear, smell, touch, or taste it. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. We have to stand on that faith. So stand on faith. Do not look at what the world is saying or what the flesh is saying. We must focus on what God says in his word. No one's saying it's going to be easy. It's certainly not. Having faith and growing your faith, becoming a faith Olympian, is not easy. We will have setbacks and failures, but we have to learn from the setbacks and failures. We have to come daily to the word of God. We have to hear the word and come to God in prayer. It requires us to believe and not doubt God's word. Mark 11, 22 through 23 of the King James Version says, And Jesus, 
answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Matthew chapter 21, verses 20 through 22 of the King James Version. It says, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is it the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which was done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. You see, when doubt creeps in, faith is hindered. We cannot be double-minded. We can't be uncertain, hesitant, undecided, or wavering when it comes to God's Word and our faith. Our five senses can certainly cause us to have some doubts. I mean, keep in mind, your five senses often produce incorrect results. No matter how much you want to trust what you see, hear, smell, touch, or taste, your senses can be giving you wrong information. You know, when pilots are flying in the clouds and can't see anything out of the windscreen of the aircraft, they have to rely on instruments or gauges to safely fly the aircraft. This is called flying by instrument flight rules, or IFR. Now, when you can see out the windscreen, you can fly by visual flight rules, called VFR. Now, pilots are taught when they can't see out the windscreen, they have to trust their instruments. You know, your equilibrium can get thrown out of whack, and, and you'll not be able to tell if you're climbing, descending, or turning one way or another. You can feel like you're turning or descending when you're flying straight and level, or vice versa. You may be familiar with the term vertigo. You know, your brain and equilibrium are in tune for walking on the earth. The sensations you feel when flying in the clouds when your eyes can't assist the brain by providing useful feedback may tell you you're turning left when you're descending and turning right. You may think you're right side up when you're upside down. Now, many pilots have died because they didn't trust their instruments. They instead trusted on their senses that were feeding them incorrect information because their equilibrium was out of whack. So your eyes can easily be tricked into making you think you're seeing something you are not. Now, I'm sure you've seen optical illusions on TV or the Internet, or maybe you've been sitting at a red light and the car beside you moves slowly and you feel like you're moving. You see, it's been proven that by giving you a piece of red candy and giving you the scent of cherry when placed in your mouth, you will taste cherry candy when, in fact, the candy placed in your mouth was unflavored. It was a placebo. Now, you can go look all these things up if you don't believe me. The point is, we tend to always want to trust our flesh, our five senses, as always being right, when in fact, they're not. There is one thing that is always correct and unfailing, and that is God, God's Word, always correct and unfailing. The only way to overcome doubt is by placing your total faith in God's Word. You can't be wishy-washy about it. Do not place your spiritual faith into your five senses. The Word of God has to become more real to you than your five senses. If doubt tries to creep in, go to the Word of God and place your faith there. God's Word is unfailing. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And we are out of time for today. But I'll tell you what, we're going to pick right up here in our next podcast. And I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.